arrived in Spitsbergen on June 14th, 1889. It was the perfect time to arrive. It was the height of summer, 24 hours of sunlight. We had come into Barentsburg, which had been a whaling station for several, several years, and was the place to find the greatest amount of supplies that we could add to the USS Reach before we made our way farther north. We were able to make a great purchase of dogs there, 14 in total to add to the already 21 we had on board for 35 dogs, which would accommodate about three sleds. And we had alternates, of course, in case some died. The supplies that we needed had been brought with us from Boston, but it's always good to try to trade for fresh meat. And I can remember a whale had been killed and was brought upon the banks. It was the first time I had ever seen such a grand animal split into several pieces right there on the shore. The Norwegians, I might say vile people, they make no problem of such a great amount of blood and blubber being splayed all over the place. And uh, unfortunately, we had to take some of that blubber on board, particularly for Mr. Lofsen, who had an affinity for it, and for the dogs, of course, who would eat anything you'd throw at them. We tried to keep them hungry in order to keep them lean and strong, but hunger, of course, is not the best weapon against the dogs for loyalty. So the blubber helped. We could give them pieces here and there, but I digress. The USS Reachin made a grand voyage. We had done quite well skirting up Canadian shores and then cutting to the east when need be. We had tried to stay as close to land as possible and so minimize the amount of damage and maintenance that the Reach needed upon the arrival in Barentsburg there in Spitsbergen. With our 14 men all still gainfully employed and rather happy with the voyage thus far, we had made preparations to head into what would be the ice at what we thought would be 80 degrees north latitude at that time of year. Spitsbergen, if for those of you who don't know, is a beautiful island located at 78 degrees north and it's quite easy to get all the way up to 80 by skirting along its shores, but once you get to the 80 degrees north latitude, the land leaves behind, and there's nothing there but small muffin island to kill a few elephant seals for some extra meat before you make your way beyond land and up to nothing but ice and sea. So we did just that after leaving Barentsburg with some whale blubber in tow, Mr. Lotson happy. We made our way up to 80, killed two elephant seals, added them to the bottom portion of the reach, put them into the hull in order to preserve them primarily for the dogs and for the Swede we had on board, mind you. And then, well, it was onward. 
Ice flows are a tricky thing. The currents spin them into different degrees. Anyone who's been north knows that you can't tell the difference between ice that's broken off from the polar ice cap and ice that's come off Greenland and made its way into this kind of cycle of current that pushes its way north and east at both the same time. We had seen this failed operation of the Swedes just a few years earlier in their hot air balloon and we knew that this is a dangerous expedition. Men were trying for the very first time to get there and it was very much unknown what to expect. We could read from diaries of prior captains and men who had been trying to see how far north they could go and 80 degrees was pretty much the limit. When we had reached there and slain those elephant seals and then made our way north, it wasn't very much long after until we encountered our first amount of ice. But the objective was to skirt it, find a way to break through, and then breach as far north as possible. We did just that over a few days' time with the aid of Mr. Lawson, and then when we finally arrived there at 82 degrees north, we found that the ice flow was deep and profound and unable to be penetrated. We were hoping for a bit of farther north, but it wasn't the case. You have to forgive me for getting a bit ahead of myself and perhaps a bit excited in my speech. It was the most exciting time of my life to see 14 young men so enthusiastic seeing all these strange lands and being in places that they thought they'd never be myself included but as captain you can't do anything except portray a poker face at all times when we finally hit 82 degrees north we calculated you know 60 degrees are 60 nautical miles for each degree, excuse me. Well, that makes 60 times 8, 480 miles we'd have to slash those dogs in order to get up to the polar ice cap. It was rather far. And uh, we disagreed over whether or not to wait and see if more ice would melt or shift order to get farther north by sail which is by far the easiest way as you might know but it was a rather cold year in hindsight and we had no choice but to disembark the ship and start the voyage uh, we could all see the writing on the wall that it wasn't going to get any easier or allow us to get any farther north now, it's a precarious thing to disembark a ship and leave it adrift on ice flow, essentially. You hope, in the sense, that you can anchor it, but you can't trust which way the ice is going to go. In fact, you can almost guarantee it's not going to be where you left it. But needing all 14 men and all the dogs and supplies, or what can you do but make a mark on the map and hope it's there when you get back and that's exactly what all polar expedition men will do 
have faith that they will find it based on dead reckoning as opposed to the genius of a fixed position. I can remember quite clearly creating the sled teams with 14 of us, well, 15 including myself. It was rather easy, five for each sled and course the ten dogs and the five in rotation so all in all it was a pretty good operation (coughs) (coughs) the croup has gotten to me at this point excuse me we made our way north almost immediately without problem we had plenty of food. We had the dogs in good spirits and well fed from the blubber. We had the guide, Mr. Lotson, who had promised that this had been his expedition many times before. And so we made our way due north. In the end of the first day, it was a great success. We had laid camp, even though the sun had not set during those summer months. Tried to get a few hours of shut-eye and then continued, making about 32 miles in the first two days. Now know that, of course, I said the math, 480 nautical miles, which is nearly 500 miles, needed to be passed on these dog sleds. And we knew the inevitability of the dogs growing weak and the food growing short. And all of the men knew full well that in time we would probably have to eat some of the dogs in order to survive the harshness of the landscape. But what we didn't account for was the unfortunate circumstances that would befall us on the fourth, fifth, and sixth day. A great storm had passed across. And we found ourselves in a very rare, in fact, almost impossible summer blizzard in which, in spite of the 24 hours of daylight, the snow fell hard and long, and the ice seemed to grow before us, pushing us back away from our goal. Nearly two feet of snow fell over the course of those days and the harshness of the landscape only seemed to increase as men began to freeze and become cold and worried. Again, some of these men had never seen such a winter, especially during those summer months. We were in a hard position. Right off the bat, in fact, looking back, 1889 was the worst year on record for snowfall and for the harshness and cold of the winter. I'll tell you more in just a few minutes. Let me light my pipe and ponder the facts before I continue the story.